Welcome to the first edition of 2017 of the Canadian Crew Podcast. I'm Jorge Castillo. The other half is Joey Klein's first feature as writer-director. Up to now, Klein was better known as a character actor. You may remember him for his stint as Dr. Jonathan Lyle in the CBC series This Life. The other half is an intense drama starring Tom Cullen and Tatiana Maslany that follows two damaged people as they find their way to each other. One is a surly expat grief-stricken over the, his brother's disappearance. The other one is a bipolar artist as compelling as trouble. Despite a number of red flags, the two embark in a codependent relationship more resilient than anybody could have expected. The other half is a ballsy film. It remains true to his characters as difficult as they are. Klein nails bipolar disorder by keeping it grounded and renouncing to the hysterics American movies tend to use when depicting the condition. The Canadian crew talked to Joey Klein about the film and how he convinced the accomplished cast to join him in this effort. All right, Joey Klein, thanks for joining us at the Canadian crew. Thanks for having me. Um, first of all, if you could introduce your film to our listeners. Sure, uh, it's called The Other Half. It stars Tom Cullen and Tatiana Maslany. Um, it's uh, about two uh, very sick people who fall in love and try to forge a simple life together. Mm -hmm. Now, um, can you pinpoint the exact origin of the project? Like, when did the uh, light bulb went off? Uh, it was more, I think, a heart light bulb than a brain light bulb, and I think I just really needed to write about a prolonged grief and a delayed grief, and grief is illness, and. Um, Right after I got out of theater school in, in, in New York City, uh, I had gone to Concordia and did communications and mm -hmm. then got into acting and went to New York to study that. I, I just kind of really felt compelled to write something uh, about 10 years ago now. Uh, and I started writing something that became this. Okay. Terrific. So there was, the, there was a, I imagine, a combination of factors that lead to the script, right? Would you mind to elaborate? No, not at all. Uh, I mean, it's not an autobiographical story, but it's no, a personal no. one, and mm -hmm. I, I, I lost somebody that I very much loved growing up and felt uh, a need to write about it at a certain point, and then just found that it wasn't something I was looking at this stage of my life to write about in a, specific, in a very, very literal way. So mm -hmm. um, I started to explore um, what I knew to be true about grief over time, time not healing all wounds and loving and losing somebody that matters to you more than anyone and uh, that developed into a more not conventional love story but a, a romantic love story and I started to explore uh, time in my life where I was very mentally unwell and uh, wrote both characters from my point of view, my experience, my life, uh, none of it being literal but of it all being very personal and um, just took time off from the script, came back to the script, uh, um, had it uh, developed at a, at, a, at a company in New York City uh, that had made a bunch of films, had different actors attached to it, mm -hmm. uh, lived through the writer's strike and the recession in America and finally came home back here, continued working on it and then met Tatiana on an acting job, watched her in Grown Up Movie Star and freaked out and found love and gave her the, the script was doing my first short that I wrote and directed, my first Bravo fact with her. Mm -hmm. She started dating Tom, freaked out and found love because I'd seen him in Weekend and started writing the part for him without him knowing that. Um, or maybe he knew, but maybe she told him I was doing mm -hmm. that. I asked her what she thought about that, but I never asked him because I didn't want him to feel pressured. 
Um, started making the character uh, somebody from 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 far away from the UK okay. um, because it made sense to me. Even if you even if you decided you didn't want to do it, it made sense to me that he would you know be from a faraway place. And then once they once he said he wanted to do it, which was as equally a happy day as when she said she wanted to do it. I remember very well where I was. I was in a coffee shop with her when she wanted to do it. I was having uh, we went to celebrate and have some margaritas and tacos. Tom and I when he wanted to do it. And uh, from that point on, I, uh, we did a reading where they just gave me all these lovely ideas and notes and thoughts. I never really wrote it for, well, I was literally writing it for them, but mm -hmm. you know, knowing that they would do it certainly influenced the process of writing, but not in the way of like, oh, he does this, she does that, so I'll just put it in there, but just a kind of essence, of, I guess, and kind of picturing them doing it, I suppose I would do, because I'm an actor. And... Um, no, there is a good, very good foresight, and, uh, and I'm not even sure if you want to take credit for this and to cast uh, Tatiana Maslany <laughs> and Tom Cullen because they are both up-and-comers and they're doing incredibly well. Yeah, I don't think I deserve any credit for that. I think that, if anything, what I maybe will take credit for is the fact that I, I don't, I think a lot of, especially first-time filmmakers, stress out forever about casting. and. I guess as an actor, I just kind of have this feeling of like, chill the fuck out, part of my language, and just mm -hmm. trust. And obviously there's other people out there who would do a very lovely job. Mm -hmm. But I saw Tat in Grown Up Movie Star, and I just saw one of the greatest actors, actresses in the world. Mm -hmm. and, and I offered it to her, and maybe I spent an hour thinking like, am I supposed to audition, or should I consider somebody else? And Is this hasty? Right. And then I just thought, no, that, that lady is insane she's general and she's Meryl Streep she's she's Tatiana mm -hmm. she's who she is and she is I just dying to do this with her and you know with Tom Weekend is one of my favorite movies and that's one of my favorite performances so it was kind of like you know they're also a couple in real life so no one ever has to think well they have chemistry or but even if they weren't I wouldn't worry about that because they're such supreme perform actors artists mm -hmm creative people that you just know they're going to get in the ring and just put everything out there. So, um, I don't know, man, you know, I think, I think that it was always coming for them because when you see what they've done in the first mm -hmm. things they ever did, they're just the best of the best. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that the character of Tom, uh, Nikki, I'm not, it's, it's debatable if it's a healthy relationship, but it's, he seems to be the right person for Emily at the time. Seems to be the person who can actually handle better, handle her better than anybody else. I'm assuming this is obviously something that you plan from scratch when writing the script. I think it's just about two sick animals. We would say on set, um, we had the saying that they're two sick animals where for each other their stink don't stink. You know, mm -hmm. they're these mangy, if they were animals, they'd be these mangy, destroyed mutts that other people or animals would think are smelly and disgusting and ugly but to each other you know they're just two alien peas in, 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 a, in, a, in, an un, in a complicated pod mm -hmm. and um, I never thought of it in terms of the result of it I just thought of it in terms of what's true to me about the process of that and I think that when two very damaged people catch wind of each other, it's just automatic, and you can really just see or smell something, and I guess it's a part of love at first sight, but mm -hmm. um, I think that it's not tragedy snobbery, it's just relatability. It's when you've gone through a certain amount, you stop being able to relate to 
normal people. I know this is not video, but I'm air quoting right now. <laughs> um, so, you know, and, and I think the sad truth of it is that that recognition and that recognizability that draws you together, unfortunately, can also be that same thing that wrenches you apart because when you're that damaged, if somebody else is going through a similarly massively dark moment, it's very difficult for both of you to be there. But what I like to think about it with them is that I think they both really just love each other and I think it is a love at first sight. I don't mean when he sees her in the club that, um, oh, he can tell she's damaged. No, there's just something about them that sparks. And it is just movie love, it's love at first sight, it's, it's that deep love. And, and then from his point of view, because it's a first person point of view movie, you know, once it turns out that she's not well, I think that does deepen it for him because when you lose a brother the way he did, it just goes missing, you don't know what happened, your mind can go off in the worst places of what, what might have happened to a young boy who mm -hmm. vanishes. You, you have this survivor's guilt and this illogical thing of like, you, you wish you could save that person, but you can't, you weren't there. So when you fall in love with someone as an adult who's, who's that sick, I think you have this pathological need to save them. So for Nikki, if anyone ever asks, why doesn't he run the other way? He's had such a hard life. It's the opposite. I think he goes towards her because here's this opportunity. He's in love with her. And then here's this opportunity to save somebody you love and in an illogical way, correct? It's a redemption, you know. It's a redemption, thank you. And then for her, I think, she probably, well, I, I, would, I, would, I would argue somebody like her definitely has this fear of like, no one will ever love me. I, mm -hmm. I have this beast inside of me that once they see it, they'll run the other way. And here's this person that when it manifests, he comes closer. She tells him I'm rapid cycling bipolar one and she's waiting for him to scoot. You know, she says, you can leave if you want at the beginning of that scene. And when she says I'm rapid cycling bipolar one, and I think in her, in Tatiana's amazing work, you can see all that fear of mm -hmm. like, you're gonna go, you're gonna leave. Probably like she's experienced before. And, and, and you, you, he says, I think you're, I think he says, I think you're wonderful. Yeah. So that's what's true to me about those kinds of relationships. Right, um, there is a, a concept I particularly like in the film. That's when uh, the Henry Cerny character uses the euphemism social simplicity when recommending uh, a breakup between them. I was, I was wondering how this, the, the, this idea comes because I love it. Oh, I think that's my, my beautiful dad. Um, my daddy-o, he, uh, he collaborated with, with me on the script over the years, um, on and off, and gave all kinds of beautiful things to the script, including a clinical point of view, but you know, his creative influence on the script was, far, was just as important, if not mm -hmm. more. And uh, I think when it came to that particular part, I was dealing with that scene where, you know, Henry, where, where the father would talk about uh, a flight into health, which is where somebody thinks that, that somebody with an illness like Emily's has convinced themselves they're doing okay because there's a, it's, it's almost maybe like a plane in the air right before it's going to, you know, maybe, I don't know enough about aerodynamics, but mm -hmm. like right before a plane falls out of the sky, it probably has this moment of just like stasis of just floating in air, I don't know, but maybe it's a terrible analogy, but she has this thing called the flight into health where she thinks she's okay, but really she's walking on quicksand. Mm -hmm. And I asked my father to help me diagnose a kind of clinical language to make sure that Henry that Henry's character was, was speaking from a, a doctor's point of view because it's not very literally defined in the film because I didn't feel a need to, but her father is a doctor, which is right. why she says, he's not my doctor, I have a doctor, and she tells me that blah, 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 blah. Um, when, when, when Henry says that about social simplicity, it's a clinical point of view, and he's taking that doctor's point of view 
where we all know doctors, you know, have these God complexes and, and, and he's talking at Nikki, he's talking down to Nikki. There's, of course, we find out the more personal thing of he's been through this and he knows what this is and he isn't ready. Nikki's not ready. But when he says, you know, she needs social simplicity, I think that it's his clinical way of saying, you know, if you're over your head, buddy, and trust me, I know because mm -hmm. I'm not just the father, I'm also right the clinician now this touches with another aspect of your film i i like is the fact that you don't over explain stuff you actually allow the viewer to discover and go in the journey of finding out what's wrong with these characters um i find i find this an interesting approach and related to that i wanted to ask you Considering that the bipolar condition has been depicted in so many movies and so many times wrong or over the or way over the top, how do you manage to get to to an equilibrium in which that, that, uh, the, the Tena character Emily doesn't does never goes over the top or of course he was hit, she hits lows but it's never not believable. How do you calibrated that? Um. So wait, what was the first question? Oh, this is what, uh, more, more than a question, it was an observation regarding the... Um, <laughs> I completely forgot about it. Regarding the fact that you allow people, the audience oh, to you. discover... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Well, I mean, just in terms of that, and I appreciate you saying that, I think I've always been interested in a way film can be a bit more like literature. Mm -hmm. and you can just fill in spaces a bit more and be encouraged for it to be a bit more interactive. So it's not just the boob tube, like, you know, watching with your eyes glued, like... Clockwork Orange or something in that moment, you know. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think film needs to be that way. My favorite filmmakers leave a space for me to answer something correct in the correct way. You know, the Dardenne brothers are the masters of that in editing, and I just think that that we deal with an audience today who's so educated, and maybe on some levels the lowest common denominator lowers, but we have to remember that people are ingesting all kinds of media in all kinds of ways, and they're very sophisticated watchers. And I, I as a film watcher, and, and certainly as a filmmaker, I'm excited in, in, in that you know, space where it can be somewhat interactive mm -hmm. in the correct way where I'm specific enough about the moments leading up to so that you know, you, it's not like the space left in it can be like, maybe it's a dragon. Like Obviously, you have to be specific about the building blocks you lead up to that little space right. so that we can all jump together to the next. In terms of her performance, I mean, thank you for saying that. I think having a, a method acting background informed and influenced how I write, how I direct. And then I'm also dealing with two of the best actors in the world. So when, when it comes to her performance as Emily, I, I was the one thing I never had to worry about going into making this film in such a short period of time was would they be there? I, you know, they gave me so many lovely options and that's what you really need as a filmmaker mm -hmm. is options. Um, in terms of like skating that line, I mean, there's been a lot of films out there, whether it's been about bipolar disorder or mental illness in general, where I, I feel like films have really, or movies, I guess, to be a snob, have really disrespected the reality of it. And if you're going to go there, the first thing, more than anything, for who I am as a person, is that you do your best to respect people who actually are bipolar. Because this is just a movie. Mm -hmm. In the best case scenario, my film stands for a little something, for whoever, and that would mean the world to me, but there are people who are actually bipolar and have lost and loved, and I think the job is to represent them as fully as you can, and so that is about grounding things as much as you can in reality, in the personal, in the specific, 
so much research went into getting that right. Mm -hmm. uh, clinical eye for my sister, who's a psychiatrist, and my father, who's a, who's a family doctor, and relying on the amazing abilities and mind of Tatiana in terms of her research, trust between the two of us and Tom. You know, I'm very proud of the fact that you can't really talk about Tatiana's performance without talking about Tom and Bobby and me. You can't talk about any one of the things without the four of us really did a dance together. And, and Tom so generously created a space for Tatiana to play some of the heavier scenes and Bobby and his whole crew, mm -hmm. you know? And um, I think that how far she goes is a testament to her abilities. I mean, the, the depths that she will be willing to plummet um, no matter how much we all work together, at a certain point, it's just Tatiana Maslany and her work and Tom Cullen and his work, they're consummate artists. And uh, I had the luxury of having that, you know. You had a chance to rehearse at all? No, or no? zero, no? zero. <laughs> no, 16 days of like bananas. Yeah. I, I can imagine. Now, um, there is a risk that you take, which is that both characters are not immediately likable. Uh, was this a source of concern for you at any point? You know, I think the biggest concern would be that I would do it not on my own terms, not in my own way, because I'd get in my head and think, oh, you're supposed to do that, or oh. And at the end of the day, I worked so long and hard, and then they all worked so long and hard. So many people put in love and sacrifice to get it done. I think the biggest bullshit move for me would have been to not follow my heart, my instincts, mm -hmm. and my taste, you know? And uh, some of the ways in which they're unlikable in the beginning, um, I am thrilled with. Some of the things in the beginning of the movie in terms of the writing or directing, I, I, I am least proud of as a filmmaker. Like there's one scene in general where we just didn't have the resources for the location or the amount of background I wanted. And I think that affects their likability because in general, it's just that scene for me feels off from the rest of the film. But. I, um, I, I don't think you can do anything but make your film on your terms and try to make a film you'd want to see. And uh, I did, worried about a lot of things, but I don't think I ever specifically worried about like would they or would they not be likable because I just felt like it's not what my job is, is to right. make them likable right away. My job is by the end of it to represent these two people truthfully. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting thing because a lot of people, a lot, a lot of, uh, in the interviews, a couple people said to me, I was so grateful for the way the film turned out because in the first 10 minutes I thought she was going to be this like manic, I think they call her manic, manic pixie, pixie chick. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, I've, I've heard of a, the pixie idea. I've never heard of a manic pixie chick before, mm -hmm. but, um, that's come up a bunch. Well, yeah, but then again, you, the way you portray the character, the way the characters are presented, they're true to themselves. I mean, if they were likable from scratch, they probably wouldn't, it will be hard to develop them as the way you end up developing, right? Yeah, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Now, you, write, you wrote it, produced it, and directed the, the film. How yeah. do, you, do you compartmentalize yourself, or how do you operate? Did you even feel the need that you had to step? to break yourself in pieces to tackle it? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know. I mean, when I, when I say, I, when I get a credit for producing it, it's for a very different reason than Nicole or Jonathan. You know, they produced the movie. Nicole picked it up on her back and she carried it more than anyone ever did. And Jonathan came in at a very late stage and was like in a World Series game, like this, you know, this, the, the closing pitcher who saved you know, gets a save and like wins the World Series. I mean, he, he made it possible when nobody else could and did so much for it. 
Um, I got a producing credit because I brought Tom and Tatiana, I brought Bobby, I hustled in a million different ways. I, I, a lot of my producing uh, was done up until the first day of filmmaking. You still have to do a lot of different little things after and big things after, but when I was making the film I was able, to the credit of my team, I was able to just for the most part, not entirely, but for the most part, focus on the filmmaking. And I think that while I hope to direct some things that I don't write for many different reasons in my life, I'm definitely most interested in directing and writing together. So it was kind of something that fed the other, and I certainly thought about how I'd shoot something while I wrote, and I collaborated heavily with Tom and Tatiana and, and Bobby and, and Suzanne and Henry and all the actors when we would be filmmaking. So I think it's important for the kind of filmmaker I want to be. It's my script, so mm -hmm. I can say yes or no if they want to change language, you know? If it was somebody else's script, a writer deserves a lot of love and respect for the solitudinous, lonely life that they live, you know, and so it would be a different process. I also did some music for it, but I didn't, I didn't, uh, I have a library of sounds I've made in Logic that I just really enjoy doing, and, and I just went through the library of stuff I made and found something I thought was appropriate. Um, so I don't think I really had to like change perspectives or change hats. Um, I think they all kind of feed each other. Okay. Well, most Canadian filmmakers in the end are all writers-directors. Like largely, yeah, largely. All right, well, I think my time is up. Thank you so much Thank for you. talking to us. Pleasure, yeah. Thanks Cheers. very much. Our thanks to Joey Klein for her role in The Other Half. Tatiana Maslany was nominated in the Best Canadian Actress category by the Vancouver Film Critics Circle. The Other Half opens in Regina this Thursday, January 5th. Remember, you can reach us on Twitter at The Can Crew on Facebook at the Canadian Crew page or write us to the Canadian Crew email all one word on Gmail. Also, you can help us keep the Canadian Crew ad free by contributing at gofundme.com/thecanadiancrew. I'm Jorge Castillo. Until next time. <laughs>